Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast, episode 262. I honestly had to double check there. And we are on episode 10 of our ACC under review. It is time to head down to the ATL and talk about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Another crazy season. Mac and I talk about this with with our guy Andy, how this Georgia Tech season had like four different seasons in one. It was it was like you're binging your favorite television show. And season one, season two, you got cliffhangers, you got new cast, all these different things. But Andy did a great job breaking this down, Mac. No, no, no question. It, it was super fun. Just, I mean, he's rattling off names. He's rattling off transfers, new guy. I mean, yeah. Andy's in like mid-season form, and he's in the middle of basketball. I was very impressed. Andy, shout out for the the hard work, and you can really tell that guy loves his job, which is fun and really exciting to to have somebody that feels that way about it. Just a lot of fun insight. I mean, stuff that man, we we just wouldn't have known because it was from his vantage point and being around the team so much and and seeing all these different things. We dive into a bunch in this interview from really all angles of this season of of the the firing side and the perspective there, new high, bringing in guys, injuries, all these different things. And uh, man, it was cool. It it was cool to to really jump into it. So I'm excited about this. We've got the voice of the Yellow Jackets, play-by-play for basketball and football. Let's get right to it with our guy, Andy. Andy, welcome into the show, man. So much to get into today with Georgia Tech. And, you know, when I was preparing for this, I really struggled, honestly, to where I wanted to start because it almost feels like to me Georgia Tech had two seasons within 2022, but I I decided chronologically made the most sense. So we look at those first four games and there was, you know, excitement to start and then it kind of went away really quick and two blowout losses. It, It just looked like more of the same production-wise, and then there's a coaching change in, in September. I mean, that, that that's kind of crazy. Was there any indication, any whispers, anything like that that maybe you had heard where, okay, this might be coming? Well, I'll say this, Eric. I think everybody recognized that that first month of the season was going to be brutal from a scheduling standpoint, opening with Clemson on Labor Day night, and then after Western Carolina, you face an Ole Miss team that was ranked and a UCF team that – by the end of the season was ranked and you play them on the road. And so you add that up the first four weeks of the season, Georgia tech had about as rough a a schedule as anybody in the FBS. Um, And and so they knew that it was going to be a challenging start, but at the same time, I think they had higher expectations for uh, how they competed than what they produced on the field. And so it's, it's always jarring when you have a mid season coaching change, but uh, obviously, it, it worked out for the best, and it gave Brent Key that longer runway to prove himself. And it was amazing, like you said. You said it was about two seasons in one. For us following the team, it felt like about six seasons in one. <laughs> uh, but the, the job Brent did to kind of turn that battleship around and put his imprint, his identity on that Georgia Tech team. If you told me after that UCF game, that Georgia Tech would enter the final week of the regular season, granted against Georgia, but enter the final week of that regular season with a chance to be bowl eligible, 
Uh, I, I wouldn't have right. believed you. And so that's a testament to what Brent has done. It's a testament to the talent that did exist inside that locker room. It just took the right combination to unlock that and prove that on a weekly basis. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was, uh, again, a very unforgiving schedule. And I know Georgia Tech wished it had acquitted itself better, but they certainly showed uh, what kind of talent existed uh, by the end of the season in that locker room. We know every year, and, and we'll see how it changes with divisions, but Georgia Tech plays one of the toughest schedules. you got Clemson and Georgia every single season, and then other good ACC teams in there as well. What was your reaction just overall when you heard Coach Collins was let go, Andy? Well, I, I think you know when you're a broadcaster, you work in such close proximity to your coaches. Your, your first reaction is you feel for him on a personal level. You feel for him. You feel for his family. You feel for all those coaches and staffers because you know that that might throw uh, their future at Georgia Tech into into disarray or to uncertainty. And so that's maybe where your mind first goes. Uh, but then, you know, your thoughts turn to the players, and th- this is just as startling for them. And how do they emotionally recover? You know, these are the kids and young men who walk to class every day and around their peers on campus, and y- you kind of feel like all eyes are on you, and you get branded with a scarlet letter knowing that you're on a team who's, whose coach had to be let go midseason. And so it can be an uncomfortable situation. And there were certainly a few days there uh, in the beginning of that week um, we're just there. There was just that palpable feeling of uh, I wouldn't say gloom, but it, it was just a you know it was tough on everybody. But then you know there we were several days later in Pittsburgh taking on a pit team that was in the top twenty-five, and Georgia Tech rallies and gets the win. Uh, and so you go from deflation to elation <laughs> in the span of about five days there, and all of a sudden it makes you realize okay we still have a lot of season left to kind of author a different outcome than maybe what we had written the first four weeks of the season. So uh, to your point, Kelly, it, it obviously was a tough situation. I, I think everybody's realistic. This is major college football. They keep a score for a reason. Uh, but, you know, you got to get back to work because this is the ACC. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. And I was really impressed watching practice with Brent Key those first few days, how well he commanded the attention of his team and how receptive and adaptive they were to him now being the interim head coach. And so just watching and observing Brent those first couple of days, it it made me feel like, okay, I I feel like they're going to rebound and rally from this. And they certainly did. And it's something where, similar to you, not not on as an intimate basis, but man, it sucks when these coaches get fired because you're texting with them, you're talking with them. I mean, those are your guys. And you know, for, for that to happen, it's just like, God, you feel bad. But like you said, it's at the end of the day, it's a business and, and, a, and an institution has to do what they think is best. And, and, and I certainly think they did that. And, and this is where this is where season two starts kicking in for me, because as you said, Coach Key comes in, just immediately grabs command of this team. And, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it was different. I mean, it, instantly it was different. And, and you go out, like you said, with a bang get a ranked win against Pittsburgh. Then the next week, you go and beat Duke. I mean, two nine-win teams there at the end of the season. Massive. So once that happened, Andy, I mean, what are we thinking? Natty or bust? I mean, this is incredible. Yeah, and then season number three happened the following game versus Virginia <laughs> when Jeff Sims right. suffers the, 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 the season-ending injury for him on a Thursday night and everybody's riding high and uh, just can't find that same magic against the Cavaliers. You wind up losing to a Virginia team that I think all things being equal, Georgia Tech should have beaten. 
and so then you just go with the highs and lows from that point forward. But you're right, you know, you beat Pittsburgh, you go and you beat Duke, and and I think people had an inkling at the time that this Duke team was going to exceed the preseason expectations for them. I don't think anybody realized this was a future nine-win team, which makes it in hindsight that much more impressive that Georgia Tech really controlled that game. It wasn't until those last six minutes that Duke kind of got back into it at that point. Yeah, it was like 20 to zero, right? I mean, it was a it was a tailwind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, you know, one touchdown they'd allowed in the first three and a half quarters. Um, yeah. And so it was it was just, you know, amazing to see that kind of 180 uh, that a team can have uh, from just being so dreary and the mood so somber to all of a sudden it's just a completely different vibe inside Bobby Dodd Stadium and Brent Key is walking off and waving his arms at the student section after they beat Duke in overtime. Uh, and yeah, I, there were some missed opportunities certainly uh, at home from that point forward, thinking about Virginia, thinking about Miami Tech, didn't really play well against Miami. Uh, but at the same time, you also go on the road and you beat uh, to that point, a one-loss North Carolina team. So, you know, it, it, again, it was up and down, and you would expect that just given the circumstances. But, you yeah. know, it, it was a heck of a way, of a way to uh, kind of usher in the Brent Key era. No question about yeah. it. Yeah, and I mean, a ranked team, KG, like two ranked teams within this first stretch. Kelly, I mean, that, that was super impressive by Coach. It was wild. And I remember that Georgia Tech-Virginia game and Mac and I previewing it, putting out, oh, Georgia Georgia Tech's got this. Georgia Tech's going to cover whatever the number was. And it's almost funny because you look at – and that's college football. Mac and I always say, I mean, that, that's, what, that's what we love about this sport. It's so unpredictable. You look at Georgia Tech's wins, especially in season three, as you're saying, Andy. I like that we're almost doing like a TV show here. This is season three. Um, you look at the wins and losses, and you almost think they should have been reversed. Like that, that's how crazy this season was. And a lot of the, the craziness came from the QB room. You mentioned Jeff Sims' injury. We know – how talented he is and was, and he goes down. You got Gibson coming in. You've got Pyron coming in. You got all these different guys. What did you see from the QB room this year, Andy? And what do you think is uh, the future looks like of that QB room from what we know as of now? So at least as I see it, guys, it's a really interesting dynamic because Georgia Tech, you know, had a three-year starting quarterback leave through the transfer portal in Jeff Sims. But yet, Tech fans still feel really buoyant about the talent that's in that room, and it begins with Zach Pyron. Uh, he showed in that Virginia Tech game. He's The moment is not too big for him, and though he may not mm-hmm. have the upper echelon arm talent that we had seen from Jeff Sims, just a really composed quarterback. He knows where to go with it. He runs with toughness, and the guys responded to him. And I think that's such a telltale sign, as you know, Eric, of a – uh, of a QB who is a good young leader is the way that the players surrounding him respond. And, and that was the biggest takeaway that I got from Zach Pyron in the limited time that he had as QB one. Uh, Zach Gibson was somebody who got the first call off the sidelines after Sims went down with injury versus Virginia. He wasn't put in the greatest position from a play calling standpoint to succeed in that Virginia game. I think that play calling chart was tailored almost exclusively to Jeff Sims and and Zach Gibson's not that same type of quarterback, but yet you saw what Zach Gibson was able to do about a month and a half later at North Carolina and make some clutch throws. And he, he handled himself well in that Virginia game in Athens. So between the two Zachs, Pyron and Gibson, you feel like you have some good talent to work with. And then you add Haynes King to the transfer portal who won the starting job in the preseason last year at Texas A&M. Uh, Georgia Tech has a pretty well-fortified, intriguing QB room. 
uh, that Chris Winkie will once again be handling. But I, I think it starts with Zach Pyron as a true freshman coming in, getting ACC road wins, uh, good completion percentage, avoided those high-risk throws, and demonstrated a lot of toughness that uh, just elevated everyone around him. Uh, make sure to Tech fans really excited about what the future holds, not just for him, but for the rest of the QBs as we move into the official Brent Key era. Yeah, it's exciting when you feel like you have guys that you can select from. It's exciting when you have a choice that you can maybe make there, maybe not looking around the portal saying, God, who's going to fall into our lap in spring? Like, who who can we go and, and get? And, and that might still be a, something they look at, but everything you just said there kind of gets me excited. I'm going to let KG touch on some more skill players. You, you, when you brought up Chris Winkie there, it, it makes me just think about yeah. this staff. And I know you're in basketball season. I know you're going full speed with that. But w- what other changes do maybe we'll see? Have you already heard about uh, that, that we can expect to see on the coaching staff side for this football team? Well, with the exception of Chris Winkie, the offensive staff, uh, Eric, has is, is completely turned over. New offensive coordinator this season and Buster Faulkner, who was a quality control coach at Georgia, but was really instrumental in the tutelage of Stetson Bennett these last two seasons at Georgia. But he's been an OC at the Power Five level, or the, the, the Group of Five level, I should say, and has led some some record-setting offenses at places like Arkansas State. So he's by no means a, a greenhorn offensive coordinator. Uh, there will be a new offensive line coach. Of course, when the previous O-line coach gets the head job, what do you mean? Key's not sticking around. He's leaving the O-line. He a little on. bit of an opening. Yeah, let, let's put it that way. But, of course, Brent Key, I think, has a very um, uh, high standard for who he would select to uh, fill that spot. And Jeep Wadle will be that guy now moving forward. New wide receivers coach, new running backs coach. Winky is co-offensive coordinator. He remains in charge of the quarterbacks. And so uh, you're going to see... Uh, brand new offensive staff, more or less. And then Andrew Thacker, still the defensive coordinator for Georgia Tech. Uh, new defensive line coach, new linebackers coach. Cornerbacks uh, coach Travaris Tillman was retained, and he did a fantastic job with that back four last year. You saw it uh, just in the development of guys like LaMiles Brooks and Clayton Powell-Lee and the turnover count that uh, Georgia Tech was able to, to to bump up significantly this past season, so he's a holdover from the staff. So, yeah, there are definitely changes uh, staff-wise for Brent Key as he kind of puts his his touch and his imprint on not only the, the locker room but the coach's room as well. Yeah, which we expect. I mean, that's that's always going to happen when you have a new head coach. I love the Chris Winkie storyline and the factor there with what he accomplished at Florida State, and so I'm excited about the QB room. Speaking of the portal, we kind of hit on the portal, bringing in Haynes King. Um, we've seen Georgia. We, the portal, the portal giveth, the portal taketh away. I mean, we we know this about the portal. But what are the biggest needs? Would you say, Andy, for this offense moving forward? And do you think the answers are on the roster, or could we see some more portal action perhaps after spring? So Kelly, I think the the questions have mostly been addressed. Um, the biggest loss was Nate McCollum. Obviously, Jeff Sims. He leaves. He's now in Nebraska, three-year starting quarterback. And you can't deny uh, some of the numbers that he posted at Georgia Tech. He's seventh in school history and career passing yards. And so I, I wow. acknowledge that that's not an easy guy to replace. But like we had talked about earlier, you saw enough flashes from Zach Pyron and Zach Gibson that you feel pretty comfortable about the stability of that position moving forward. But Nate McCollum was an all-ACC caliber wide receiver, 60-plus catches, he was a true field stretcher on top of being a terrific possession receiver. 
he hits the portal. I think that's a blow. Um, and, and Georgia Tech was able to reload through the portal. Guys like Chase Lane uh, from Texas A&M. Abdul Jana is somebody I'm excited to see. He posted big numbers in the FCS level at Duquesne. He could be another guy that could grow into a very viable piece of the receiving core. But I also think a, a, a replacement for Nate McConnell may already be on the roster in Malik Rutherford who's this kind of pocket rocket slot receiver who I, I, I think if he can be more consistent with it week in and week out, uh, I'm very excited for what next season may hold for him. So those were some of the offensive uh, needs that, that Georgia Tech addressed through the portal. Uh, you know, they didn't suffer too much significant turnover from a production standpoint through the portal, at least in my observation. Uh you know, offensive line mostly stayed intact. Running back, they still get Dante Smith back for his sixth season. Uh, they upgraded as well. They had to replace Hassan Hall, who was very dynamic, not only as a runner, but a pass catcher out of the backfield. It worked so well for them, uh, dipping into the portal, uh, getting a running back from Louisville, that they decided to do it again. <laughs> do it again. Do it twice. <laughs> you know, who averaged better than five yards a carry with the Cardinals. So he's another guy who adds depth alongside Smith and Jamie Felix to the running backs room. So that those are kind of the areas that they plugged the most uh, via the portal on offense. Yeah, and, and again, it's just something where – Man, if you need it, go take advantage of it. It's been great to see these coaches, Georgia Tech, in the past couple of years. We've really seen them, you know, lock in and say, "Hey, we've got a need here. Let's go fill it with a 22-year-old, you know, not an 18-year-old coming yeah. in, and, and we have to teach them and, and groom them there." Let's look at the defense for a second. This is a very offensive podcast. We we like scoring points. We like shooting threes, different things like right, that. Yes, but we have like to... calling points either, as long as it's exactly, the right team. exactly, yeah. exactly. So so you know, we'll look at it for a second because I think these two guys deserve it and. I don't know if you'll find a more productive duo in college football than Ace Ely and Charlie Thomas. I mean, the things that they were able to do, 100-plus tackles each, interceptions, forced fumbles, sacks, turn all these different things. I mean, they had their fingerprints all over the football field. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I really believe, and I, I get it. People can accuse me of bias all they want, but between Ace and Charlie, I don't think you had a better linebacking tandem in the ACC, which is – their consistency, the way they finished off plays. Charlie Thomas was maybe the most lay-down and stay-down hitter at linebacker in the ACC. I mean, he inspired fear lurking in that box. And then A.C. Lee, just a cerebral veteran. Uh, Georgia Tech really struck gold with him in the transfer portal a couple of seasons ago from Maryland. So, yeah, that, those that, that's the single biggest position group uh, that Georgia Tech needs to replace. Uh, offense, defense, or special teams is between A.C. Lee and Charlie Thomas. Uh, those guys were just so good. And, you know, I, I think it was, they were a major reason why you saw that Georgia Tech defense take such a step forward over the last two months of the season. Uh, yeah, their production is going to be hard to replace. Th those are two just really solid, dependable guys. Andy, I'm curious about this because, you know, we talk about uh, Key taking over and he's an O-line guy. And, you know, when you're Georgia Tech and you transition from what you were doing with Paul Johnson to now, I think the, the lines of scrimmage, the trenches is where you got to grow the most and have, have the most kind of improvement there. So what have you seen since the Paul Johnson era to now in terms of the personnel in the trenches? And where do you think Georgia Tech still needs to go in that regard? Yeah, that's a great question, Callie. And I, I think everybody understood uh, when Paul retired that it was going to be a multi-year process to yes. turn the roster over to kind of build it more to the specifications 
of what Jeff Collins wanted and, and that style of offense and defense. And I think people also knew that the position groups that would take the longest to transform would be on the lines, offensive line especially. Um, and, and Georgia Tech tried to patch some holes here and there with one-year guys in the portal. Uh, but for me, last season was maybe the first year where I felt definitively the offensive line had made some inroads. It wasn't all there yet, and I think Brent would be the first to tell you he still needs to build more depth um, at offensive line. You know, they had some bad luck, uh, not in 2022, but in 2021 with injuries, and you know, it was a mash unit for most of the season. Last year was the healthiest that offensive line as a unit had been probably since Paul retired in 2018. And it's no surprise that the offensive line played better as the season went on. What's nice is that they didn't have any defections through the portal. Most of those guys are back. That offensive line will be intact. And so uh, 2023, at least for me, is the first year where I really feel some optimism entering the season with the overall strength of that offensive line. Come on, Equalizing the force that it can be for Georgia Tech. As far as the defensive line went, uh, you know, it, it hasn't just been uh, a 2019 and on issue. It, it feels like it's been a chronic issue dating back a decade at sure. Georgia Tech, just struggling to disrupt the pocket, get sacks, get TFLs and those mm-hmm. negative plays. We actually saw Georgia Tech's TFLs and sacks numbers go substantially up last season, where you felt like that was something that was a weapon for them that was absent in years past. Now, they lose Keon White, who's going to be – uh, a second day. Man, he exploded. Oh, he yeah, a heck of so a good, season. so good. Um, and another guy who was a transfer and, and did some terrific things for Georgia Tech. You lose him as that pass rushing force on the edge, um, and so he's another guy that's not going to be easily replaced. But at the same time, you felt some growth collectively on that defensive line that may bode well for 2023. Uh, just sometimes you have to experience success. In a room. I mean, Eric, you, you know that. Kelly, you played. You you know what it's like. You have to see that proof of concept uh, that really infuses you with some some self-belief moving forward, even though you may be losing some high-production people from that position group. So uh, defensive right. line, offensive line, I thought collectively we started to see that battleship getting turned last year, and we'll see if it can continue <laughs> to, to kind of reverse itself uh, here in the year to come. I like the analogy there. The battleship yeah. turning. It takes some time. Yeah, okay? <laughs> We're not just no whipping question. this thing around. We're not just whipping this thing around. <laughs> Andy, before we get you out of here, man, I, I just want to kind of get a, a big picture, in-depth thought on, you know, Coach Key and how cool it is for a guy to come in as the interim, as an alum, bled, sweat, cried, tear, everything on that field to now be the head coach at Georgia Tech. I mean, that is it's amazing, and I think that that can really, really get some people going. Nobody can sell Georgia Tech better than he can, and uh, I, I'm a, I'm very excited about this. We were calling for it. I'm glad it happened. Yeah, no, and and, and having worked with Brent over those last eight weeks and having gotten to know him uh, in the previous three years that he had been on staff, he, he's somebody who exudes and embodies Georgia Tech. Um, you know, and I, and I think that in addition to obviously the way he was able to turn things around as interim. Uh, really bonded him with Georgia Tech fans in a way that, as as our athletic director Jay Bad said, you know, at the beginning and at the end of their search for their head coach moving forward, all roads, all, roads, all signs pointed to Brent Key. Um, 
you know, he, he just he, he embodies tech and just his overall toughness. He knows what it takes to thrive at a place like this. And I think, you know, he knows how to build teams that are built to last at Georgia Tech with the toughness and the physicality. Um, he said in his press conference uh, when he was reintroduced as, as a, a official permanent head coach, I want to be the team that opponents hate playing against. And I think that really connected with Georgia Tech fans. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm excited about him. He, he has poured so much of himself into Georgia Tech. He took a leap of faith coming back to Georgia Tech, uh, coming from a, a situation at Alabama. Um, and, and I think we saw when given the opportunity uh, as interim head coach this season, uh, the way that the players responded to him. He coached them hard. You know, he, he did not coddle them at all. He was tough on them. But it was amazing, guys, to watch the way the players responded and the way they embraced that hard coaching because they accepted it because they knew Brent had walked that path before and he genuinely cared about him. And that's why you got the results that you saw in October and November from this Georgia Tech team. And now given that wider runway as permanent head coach, I'm really excited to see the Brent Key era and, and continue some of the, the the flashes of promise that we saw and, and how it can translate now in this year ahead. No question, man. We are too. And, and I think the last piece that you just said there about him, you know, coaching guys hard, but little asterisk, he's been there. And I think there's just there's, it's such a different level when it's coming from somebody that has literally done it in the same locker room, the same field that you have. There's there's a little bit more where you're like, coach me hard. Like, let's go. Let's get this going. And uh, like you, we are jacked up and can't wait. Andy, this was so much fun. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for joining us. This was awesome, brother. Oh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you having me on. Let's do it again. Thanks again to Andy Demetra for joining us, the voice of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Mike, I always think it's funny when we talk to these different radio guys. All of them have great voices. Some stand out. Andy has a radio voice. I mean, that guy was meant to be on radio and calling games. And we really just appreciate his time. As you mentioned, we're in the middle of basketball season. I do want to mention this. We are still giving away socks. Make sure you go on Twitter to Max Twitter at Eric McClain. Retweet the tweet that has the free socks on it. It's very easy to find, specifically for Georgia Tech, if you're looking for Georgia Tech socks. So make sure you go do that. We want to hook you guys up with some free socks. And just in general, with this uh, insight and this interview, Mac, I thought it was really, really interesting from Andy and giving us his perspective on some guys that will emerge, the QB room, all these different things. And Mm -hmm. I can't help but think, you know, when you look at Georgia Tech's wins and losses when Coach Key took over, I truly think your average fan, if you gave them the list, they would say, these are the losses and these are the wins. The UNC Duke Pitt wins and then Virginia and Miami. And it's, I hate to do the what if game with Georgia Tech because the fans are probably thinking, okay, Kelly, we know we we were so close, but honestly you beat Virginia, you're in a bowl game. And that would be such a feat for this team to accomplish after your coach gets gets fired. So I kind of think Mac, as we spin it forward, just, you know, you look at what Georgia Tech's schedule will be and you will see on that. Mm-hmm. But I think a bowl game is not a completely unrealistic expectation for 2023. I mean, there's so much momentum that you can grab, you know, from this season. And and just pulling this thing up and I'm looking to the schedule right here. I mean, right there. You are right there to really turning this thing around. And, and, and what an accomplishment that would be. You know, it, it's interesting 
you know, with these guys and the things they were able to do. Now to have a full offseason with this coaching staff, with this new perspective, mindset, all these different things, you're just like, okay, let's go. Like, let's get this done. Let's figure it out. And, uh, you know, how can we break this narrative? And I think it, it was a great point that, you know, you brought up and, and that Andy brought up and, and just talking about the overhaul, talking about yeah. the transition, talking about, you know, that those lines of scrimmage, especially with, you know, what, you know, Georgia Tech did offensively where guys aren't going backwards. They're not pass setting. They're, they're cutting. They're getting out quick, snappy run plays. Defensive line, I mean, they ran an odd front where you just have, you know, small little guys t- stunning, twisting, all these different things. And so people just think that you can just snap your fingers and bam, okay, we got, you know, six six three hundred 300-plus offensive line all across the board. It doesn't happen that way. You, you have to rebuild, retool, make it a, a thing to where – Year four, okay, we expect some some things to change. Guess what? That's what we saw. We saw them win games that that they weren't supposed to, that nobody would have thought. Again, with Pittsburgh and North Carolina specifically, and even the Georgia game. I mean, they, they were fighting. They were. I did not expect that at all. And maybe they that's a little bit on Georgia, covered. but I mean, for them to the first half, they did cover, which is huge. Um, so for all those things, KG, I'm very excited about the future. Very excited for Coach Key. And, you know, where he can get this program. And I think, you know, what he said there, I want to be, for us, the team that everyone hates playing. What does that mean? That means you fight your tail off, you're gritty, you're you're annoyingly aggressive. And so that's what I'm excited to see from them. Yeah, I completely agree. And we went and we kind of had some speculation about who Georgia Tech was going to hire on some different episodes last year. We talked about Bill Mm O'Brien or Jamie Chadwell, Mm -hmm. Deion Sanders, whatever. I think this was the right way to go. You go with a guy who's already won over the locker room, and then you you have more continuity when you're attacking the portal, even before spring and then even after spring mm-hmm. as they continue to attack the portal. So that's something that I think was just smart in general with the new athletic director. And now you kind of have a fresh start for Key in a fresh couple of years. And, I, I mean, it's tough to say expectations for your first season or a bowl game, but – when you look back at what they were able to do last year, I think it's it's very possible, and I think Georgia Tech is definitely headed in the right direction. Yeah, just get a couple more of those pieces. Is it post-spring? Is it in recruiting? Guys really pan out and, and play well. We'll see, but uh, excited to see it. Big shout-out to our guy Andy. That was so much fun. Appreciate his time uh, and, and his insight there. And another great episode, guys, of Gramlick and McLean. Thank you for tuning in. We need you guys to go over to YouTube. If you're not here already, Mash the subscribe button. Jump on the team here. Really appreciate everyone joining this party over here. Leave some comments. It's fun to hear from you guys. Uh, But also the OGs, go back over to iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe there as well. It's always great to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.